Welcome back to the What in the World is Dyscalculia podcast, presented by EduCalc Learning. I'm your host, Dr. Honora Wall, and today I am on my soapbox, and I would like to talk to my fellow teachers about two pet peeves that have come up in my tutoring sessions this week, and they're really weighing on my mind. They're bothering me quite a bit. I am a follower of the pragmatic curriculum theory. I'm a big fan of Dewey and Vygotsky. And one of the many brilliant things Lev Vygotsky said is that the teaching environment can either contribute to or inhibit learning. And teachers, I want us to spend some time as we're getting close to the first report card of the year, reflecting on whether or not we are inhibiting our students' success? Are there barriers that we are putting into place that are keeping our students from doing as well as they can? That doesn't mean every student should be getting an A. That isn't realistic. Some students are very happy getting C's. That fits their work ethic and their attitude at the place they are in life. It fits their abilities, and that's where they're happy. That's great. Students who should be at a B or an A level should not be held back to a C or a failing level because of things that we're doing. And that's what's on my mind. I have a student who is in high school and has a teacher in a public school who talks frequently about how she is in her 30th year of teaching. And this is something to be quite proud of. That's a long time to be invested in helping students learn, and it's quite an achievement. However, she also likes to talk about how she has been following the same grading system and using the same weight for her grades for 30 years. That is not anything to be proud of. This particular teacher weighs her quizzes and tests at 65%. So the student who does very well at classwork, moderately well at homework, and horribly on assessments, is failing her class. If you guess that this student has dyscalculia because a hallmark of the learning disorder is to do well and then forget math over time, you would be correct. I don't know if this teacher has any training in specific learning disorders, but I'm going to guess no. I can say with confidence that she's either not attending her professional development or isn't putting into place what she's learning in her professional development. Since this is a public school, I know she has to go through PD training in order to keep her certification. And I'm not sure what she's getting out of the PD that she's attending. Because using the same sort of assessments and weighing them in the same way she did 30 years ago, is frankly inexcusable. There's no other profession where you would do the work that you did 30 years ago and still be seen as doing a good job today. In the world of office work, no one is sending a fax because now we send PDFs and they can be filled in. They don't even have to be printed. In the world of construction, 
Construction workers aren't going around knocking on walls to try to find a stud. They're holding a handheld magnetized stud finder because it's faster, easier, and more specific. Few of us would want to take ourselves or our children or our loved ones to a doctor who hasn't bothered to keep up with medical advances for the last 30 years. Teaching is a profession. We need to take it seriously and we need to keep ourselves educated on what's new in the world of education. And this includes the way we grade, the types of assessments we give, and how much weight we give to our different assignments. No one area of an assessment tool, be it classwork, homework, projects, or assessments, should be weighted so heavily that it overshadows all the other work the student does. That means the gradebook is not an accurate reflection of the student's mastery. It might be an accurate reflection of how well they test under pressure, but unless you're teaching a class in testing under pressure, you're not accurately measuring what you're supposed to be measuring. This speaks to reliability and validity of assessments. It also speaks to keeping up with the times. And this really sticks in my craw because we need to respect the advances of our profession. We need to respect universal design for learning. We need to respect the way people show their knowledge and that can come in many many forms not only from an assessment. Teachers take a look at your gradebook and ask yourself what are you using to assess student knowledge? How much weight are you giving it? Does this create an accurate picture of your student as a learner? Especially if you have students who have learning disabilities of any kind, are you accurately recording and tracking their abilities? Or instead, are you accurately recording and tracking your outdated beliefs about how a classroom should run? It's time to get with the times. 1988 called and they would like their teaching methods back. I have another student, high school student, who attends a private school. And in the class he's in right now, he has a teacher he enjoys working with. He's doing well in the class. He still has struggles, and we spend a lot of time in tutoring, analyzing his strengths and weaknesses and how he can emphasize his strengths and accommodate for his weaknesses when he's taking tests and he's doing fine. He's feeling a lot of pressure to complete his homework because there's an excessive amount of homework. And the teacher let them know something I found interesting. The current teacher will be teaching for the first semester of the year. And then in the second semester of the year, a college professor is coming in to teach the second half. And the current teacher let the class know she gives so much more homework and they should be prepared that once they come back from the holiday break the homework is going to increase exceptionally because of I honestly I don't know why all I could think when I was talking with the student was that winning a hot dog eating contest does not make one a gourmand Simply assigning a ton of homework to bury students in is not an accurate way 
to assess whether or not they paid attention in class. An excessive number of homework problems does not increase mastery. There is a point in any action we undertake where we are learning and then we are becoming more proficient and then we are feeling very confident and then we reach mastery. Honestly, it does not take that many homework problems to reach that point. And if you are a teacher who's paying attention to your students and listening to them in class and looking at the work that they turn in and truly analyzing homework so that it's not just busy work, there's an actual purpose to it, which is so that you can tweak the instruction and support your students. If you're looking at that work, you get a feel for how many questions your class needs to do in order to show mastery. I encourage you teachers to reflect on the amount of classwork you assign, the amount of homework you assign, and how much time can you honestly spend analyzing that work so that you know which students have reached mastery and which have not. How many people are doing homework for completion using math app or copying off a friend or just putting down any answer because they know that you're so buried in paperwork you don't have time to check their work, they just need to write something so the page looks full. What a waste of time. What a complete waste of effort. And what kind of message does that tell our students? First of all, it tells them that as long as they do something to look busy, we'll stay off their back. That is not the point of homework. Second, it tells them that we like assigning things that they will find stressful. And we don't have a real concern for how our homework fits into the context of their lives. We know that for all children, rates of anxiety are going through the roof. Rates of depression are going through the roof. We know kids aren't getting enough sleep. We know most kids are overextended with extracurricular activities. And for students with learning disabilities, we know that all of these things are amplified. So what kind of message are we sending our students? Not one that's rooted in social-emotional learning practices. We're not letting them know that we're concerned with how our class fits into the context of their lives. So we're not really showing a lot of concern for them as people as they move through our classrooms. That's a sad statement. Teachers, reflect on how well you know your students and what they do outside of your class. Do you know if they feel overwhelmed? Do you know if they feel like they have enough time to complete their homework? Do you know if they feel engaged in the material you're assigning? Or are you just keeping them busy so that you have a lot of paper moving back and forth and you can say that your class is rigorous? That's not rigor. I'm really hoping that this message gets to teachers who need to reflect on their practices. There are ways we can contribute to learning and there are so many ways in which we are the inhibitor. We are the barrier. We need to spend time looking at ourselves to see not only what can we do to support our students, but in what ways are we holding on to outdated ideas that are hurting our students? In what ways are we ignoring the realities of our students' lived experiences? And what kind of message are we sending to our students about how we feel about them as people? 
what are our personal goals for each student when they get to the end of a year in our class? Do we want them to feel worn out? Do we want them to feel stressed? Do we want them to have a negative experience with what they've done? Do we want them to feel like it was a terrible challenge and they didn't get much out of it, but at least they passed, they survived? They're glad they don't have to think about that ever again. Or do we want them to leave our classrooms feeling like they've learned something they did not know before, both in math and about themselves as students? Have we impacted their work ethic so that they understand they can succeed if they put in the right amount of work? Do they know what the right amount of work looks like for them? Set those personal goals for yourself for this school year. Shake up whatever you're doing with your gradebook if you need to. Take a look at the homework you're assigning. Take a look at the kind of classroom activities you're having students do. And do those have enough weight in your gradebook to make a true difference? We need to decide if we want students to be busy or if we want them to be engaged with material. We all have to go through PD training. There's a lot of great PD training out there. Not only do I create training for teachers, I attend training as much as I possibly can because there are people out there who have great ideas, fantastic things that I can use in my classroom to change my students' experience. I don't have to use everything in my classroom, but I can pick and choose what's most appropriate for my classroom when I engage in professional development, understanding that this is a way to increase myself as a professional, and it shows a respect that I have for my career. I'm sure most people listening to this, most educators are already in that mindset, but we have too many teachers who are not in that mindset. This might be a conversation that we want to have with our coworkers or with our administrators. If you're an administrator listening, these are the kind of questions you want to talk with your teachers about. Yes, I know we need to keep teachers in the classroom, but we need teachers who are actively engaged in being current, actively engaged in doing what we now know to be best practices actively engaged in growing themselves as professionals. I did go a little off topic today in this podcast. It is related to dyscalculia because the students who are impacted are students I teach who have dyscalculia. I do find in my tutoring sessions, and I talk with a lot of homeschoolers, these are some of the reasons why they have not been successful in the past. I promise in future podcasts, I will try to stick more closely aligned with the topic, but I really need this message to get out. Teachers, we have got to modernize. We have got to grow in our own profession. We have to treat what we do with respect and see how the career field has changed over time. Be proud of the number of years you have spent in the classroom. As of this recording, I've been an educator for 17 years. That puts me in the seasoned educator category. But I don't ever want to be a tired teacher. And I don't ever want to be a teacher who clings so much to the good old days that I'm not aware 
of my current best practices that I should be following. And I want to be aware of what I could be doing differently that could make a positive difference for my students. I hope that you take some time in the beginning of this school year and do the same kind of reflection for yourself. As always, if you have ideas for future podcast episodes or if you have any comments about what I've said in this or other episodes, please reach out. My email is honora, H-O-N-O-R-A, at educalclearning.com. You can find Educalc Learning on Facebook and on LinkedIn. You can go to our website, educalclearning.com, and reach us through that venue. I would love to know the experiences you have as parents, as students, and as teachers. What are you finding about yourself when you reflect on yourself? How can you contribute to your school community in a way that can help invigorate and modernize some of your coworkers? And as always, I thank you for listening to the What in the World is Dyscalculia podcast, and I will speak with you again soon.